never in doubt. Honestly, we were, we were calm through the entire thing. Uh, we didn't think anything. Um, <laughs> yo, welcome to the Panama Canada recap show uh, with the Africans. It's your host, Quest, also known as Clay, also known as Kiwi. And yeah, never in doubt. Okay, let's be honest. Um, 4 1 win for Canada. Wow. This game was one of those games where, and I honestly said, wow, so much to talk about this game. But knee-jerk reaction is Alfonso Davies. I really should have looked up his middle name. I'm going to look it up right now. Alrighty, Google, don't fail me. (laughs) Let me take this again. Alfonso Boyle Davies is a grown man. <laughs> 4 1 win for the good guys, the guys in red. Well, how do we talk about this game? This is going to be a moment in Canada soccer history. There is no doubt about it. This window has been an emotional roller coaster. I think I tweeted about this this week. Uh, we started off this window and I was wanting five to six points, so maybe two wins. I was thinking maybe we lose to Mexico, but then we beat Jamaica and we beat Panama. Then we tied Mexico. And I said, we can beat Jamaica and then beat Panama, and that's seven. Let's be greedy. And then we tied Jamaica. So I said, you know, I wanted five anyway, so let's go for five. And then, speaking of five, first five minutes, Ronaldo Blackman score on the counter. Let's talk about this first. First of all, starting lineup looked like a 3-5-2. You had Miller Vittoria and Johnson in the back. Then you had Davies, K. No, you had Davies, Osorio, Estacchio, Wotherspoon and Larea, and then Buchanan and Davies up top. Wotherspoon getting a start, which I am quietly on the Wotherspoon train, and his this final touch deceived him today, didn't really come in clutch for him, but he definitely, <sighs> he held his own and was fine there, but it was a good spell for Mark Anthony hated coming second up, but wow, let's let's get in with this. Um, game started off slow. We gave up one counter, we gave up one real chance, and then after that, we were scored on. And I remember I tweeted this. I just I wasn't sure if I was going to tweet during the game, but then I decided after the first tweet goes, it's like, well, we're going to do it, you know. And literally, I remember I tweeted this. I'm like, so just so we're clear, we get scored on in the first five minutes. And I'm comfortable with that because we know Canada responds. And that's, I think, the consistency that we have as a team. They've always been consistent. The two things with Canada which are consistent, other than their speed, which is a constant, is one, if they get scored on, they respond. Two, if they score, they score in bunches. Cue the second half. So fifth minute goal. 
and you're thinking to yourself, okay, this isn't good. And then it's just pressure from the Canadians, pressure from the Canadians, setting the ball up the flanks, down the flanks, down the middle. Number of uncalled fouls in the box. Were we throwing ourselves for these? I'd say probably once we got to the second half, we were. But there were definite clear asks for penalties there because Davies had one, Stockio had one, David had another one, and man, the amount of just when are the are we gonna get a penalty? Will a penalty be called? I think that was the story of the first half, to a degree, until we scored. Before we scored, the build-up to it. I think we've reached officially. I haven't even set this up properly. I'm just literally talking. So <laughs> let's set this up properly. Things we learned in the game. Let's go with like seven observations or five to seven observations. Let's go. So first, we respond well when a goal is scored. Whether we score one, whether one gets scored against us, which is I think why the Jamaica goal was a little bit frustrating. The Jamaica game was frustrating because no one was scoring. We had chances, we missed a few. And so because there was that deadlock, there's there was pushing, there was bending, but no breaking. And that was a frustrating aspect of it. Secondly, so that's the first thing. We get scored on early, but then our response. So now move on to number two, which I'm going to say it. I'm concerned with Jonathan David. I know he eventually scores, but I remember before the game, I was thinking I, I tweeted this and I said in the pregame, I just need him to get out there and just shoot. He just needs to shoot as if there's there's a descriptor and I'll use this player who's also in CONCACAF playing in Belgium. A Shamar Nicholson, um, if you talk to some Jamaicans, he just shoots. He doesn't really pass, doesn't look for other teammates, he just shoots. I need Jonathan David just to get out of his head and just say, it's me and the goalie, shoot. He had a one-on-one -on -one opportunity with the goalie and he played back and then turned into an, an open net where he maybe had a better opportunity for the pass. But off the TV angle, I'm just like, I don't care, just shoot, just shoot. I remember the game in qualifiers where they played against Haiti and he had maybe three chances in a row where it was just him versus the goalie, him versus the goalie, him versus the goalie. And I'm not sure if that's in the back of his head all the time now, because in club, he's definitely playing a little bit more aggressive and he's been informed there, but he definitely is a little bit more passive on it until something happens. But we need him, especially when we don't have the forwards depth. We need him to step up and to be able to match what Davies is bringing every day. Because Davies is bringing that consistent effort, that consistent, that consistent skill. And we need David to join him there on that aggressiveness. Same thing with Buchanan. Buchanan's doing the same thing. Buchanan is stepping up, and I don't feel like David is stepping up yet. Doesn't mean he won't. Again, he's 21. I need Jonathan David to step up in getting those actions going in. 
which then leads to third observation. It finally paid up. Like the pressure finally broke. The pressure finally broke. It's an own goal as it's called, but really 28th minute. So 20 minutes later, it is three straight corners. Miss one, miss one. And on the broadcast, I was I was on the uh, CONCACAF feed, not the uh, Sportsnet feed or the One Soccer feed. So the CONCACAF feed, we hit the commentator said, you know, <laughs> my coach used to tell me that uh, good things happens. Three corners equals a goal. Third corner, Tejon heads it, bumps off Michael Murillo. Goal. We're back in this game. Pressure's going, pressure's going, pressure's going. Then we get to this game and the rest of the battle. I'm going to complain about this, even though this may have taken away an opportunity for us to really change the game. I don't under I understand why we don't have VAR. And right now the only two places that don't have VAR are Africa and CONCACAF. I think this should be the last time we do this just to review that aspect of it because the amount of opportunities and little things and yes that might mean that the Alfonso Davies goal doesn't go in because it may be out but it is needed it is honestly needed to be able to cover and just make sure we get the calls right here also to get rid of all these fouls that should be fouls or not fouls because there are so many of them that are happening and it's true i saw it on twitter and it's true this type of refing rewards teams that aren't that good and then when they get to the biggest stage they get punished for it i mean think think back honduras 2014 they're able to scratch and claw their way all the way to that qualification First game in Brazil, World Cup, 4-0. France pushes them aside. I don't think this type of refing helps elevate. It rather diminishes the skill that is here. And so then when a team from our region goes and plays a highly skilled team, now what are you left with? You're left with a team that thinks they can do things, but then at the end of the day, what happens? They can't, they can't trip and push their way. A normal foul in CONCACAF is like a red in the world. With And then there's VAR. So if you weren't sure before, then you're done. I think that the standard of refing has to get better in this region because it, it holds back the development of it overall. And that's a problem. So that's something that that's third observation, third or fourth observation. Speaking of the chippiness of it, ha! Ah, I see we Canadians have fully settled into the conca-caffing of conca-caff. I see you in the corner, Daniel Henry, casually just stretching, causing an incident. A bench-clearing brawl. I understand that, you know, hockey started, but come on now, boys. <laughs> we know what we're doing here. We know what we're doing here. And I love that we fully embraced it, but at the same time, we have players who 
are on a hair trigger here. Richie Larea, man. Ghanaian Canadian, man. We, we know our tempers, man. When we go, we go. <laughs> and it's just a thing. And we saw a lot of players on the Canadian side frustrated with it. Going both sides back and forth. But man, the refing has to improve. It really does. I'm surprised going to next point. I'm surprised that we did end up starting them and we played them that long, but I guess we just played them until the game was secure. But let's get to the reason we'll remember this match. The heritage moment of heritage moments. Alfonso Boyle Davies. We are not worthy. I, I wish... I wish you guys... For those of you who watched the game, you know the play. For those of you who haven't, just look it up. A ball is played, and Alfonso tracks at least 40 yards. He's not in, he is barely in this monitor when the play starts. Tracks, keeps it inbound, continues in, cuts into the middle, plays it off his left, goal, 66th minute, we are not worthy. He is arguably, he is the best player in CONCACAF currently. Yes, I know Costa Rica, you're gonna come for me. Yes, I know America, you'll tell me about Pulisic and maybe the potential of Reyna. I think Reyna has the potential of reaching that level. But right now, carrying his team on his back consistently, wow, that, that man. That man is doing things that, as a nation, we have not had a player at this level ever, period. It's, it's honestly remarkable to, to watch it and see what happened with it. And like, we, like I said at the top, one thing that Canada does is when they score goals, they score goals in bunches. Five minutes later, cross. Tejan, far post, in. Man, loved it. And then seven minutes later, Jonathan David, off across, trickles it in. We're counting for five. One, two, three, four, we want five. Man, game eventually ends, fizzles out, subbed off. David is subbed off around 80th minute. Davies is subbed off a little bit afterwards as well. All in that chunk. Schaffelberg, Brim, Piet coming to seal it away. Prepo with a good save near the end there, which was a goal that was eventually called offside. But wow. <laughs> this game just, if you don't understand why Canadians are excited about this team, watch this game and you'll understand. The other thing I think we see as important is, man, having that additional pressure on the opposite side matters. At the at the top of the game, Panama was playing Tejan, who was on the right side. They were playing him to cut inside. They were taking away the right side of him. So they were forcing him, funneling him to the inside. So then eventually they switched. They put Buchanan on the other side on the left side and they brought Davies down on the right side. It doesn't matter where Davies is, he's dangerous. But that allowed Buchanan to really flex up and move around. 
Eventually, Canada did change her shape from a 3-5 to a 4-4-2. And then they put, and this is something I didn't miss in the first half. They ended up putting Buchanan on the wing and put Davies up top just to save his legs. But the opportunities that were there, playing through balls, Davies had maybe four opportunities off the bat, just through ball after that they were that could have sent him down the middle and off of Panamanian mistakes. It's an intriguing thing. The, the things we've discovered about this team. The one worry I'll say is, and, and I'll kind of just cover this here. The thing with the flexibility and the beauty of an Alfonso Davies is that you can play him almost anywhere and he can be effective. We've seen him play at wing. We've, we know he's a good left back. And then we played him up top so that he doesn't have to be playing so much for defense and can just save his talent for offense. And that's the amazing thing that allows us roster flexibility if we need it where we needed it today here's where i want to couch this and i'm not comparing these two players as the same ilk but i want to think of it this way because i'm Ghanaian. andrea Yu is a player who you could play anywhere you can play him as a winger typically in the attacking mode but he's played anywhere from striker to attacking mid to left or right winger a player like him though he's not as skilled has become a jack-of-all-trade, master-of-none type player. So it's like, what are you really? I think with Davies, we know he's probably going to end up settling as a winger, but a forward that you can use in a pitch. But we want to make sure that we kind of keep that squared and very much set so that we don't run up into a situation where we don't know where to play. But I think the flexibility gives us a lot of interesting options for roster construction later, especially if we have to trim off. I think what that does allow us to do is we can add a few more players at positions where he could normally play and we'd be fine. So we, I would say that the smart thing for roster construction would be to add a few more wingers and midfielders for him and a few left backs. I think from a defensive standpoint, we are rather strong. I mean, we haven't had to bring in Frank Sterling yet. We got his transfer. But I mean, center back wise, we don't have Tamori, but we still have Vittoria, Henry, Cornelius, Miller, and maybe transfer pool Luke Singh. Maybe. So I think our depth at center back is fine. Our wing, our left, our left back right backs you know alistair johnson loray can play back there but then you also have sam atakubi and i think that's where it gets interesting though you have a player like tejan who can go back there same thing like loray and same thing like davies they are a lot more effective further up the pitch so i think that'll be interesting from a construction and plus with the emergence of players like shaffelberg coming in and you still have theo corbinu who's out Sheffield Wednesday. There's a lot more depth than we realize, not to mention Ennis. And I know I'm missing some of the young guns down at TFC, Jaden Nelson, that 15 year old, which I'm forgetting his name. The depth for the team, oh, not to mention, yeah, it's like every time I say the depth for the team, I remember eight other names. Not to mention our attacking midfielders and our defensive midfielders out in Europe, Damiano. Lucas Diaz, those guys, they're there. 
So it does give us that flexibility, I think, where we can start to retire and not necessarily like push them out completely. Right. I think getting players who are in form is going to be important. I think we've learned a valuable lesson this window. That being, we can't try to cheat our selections because we tried to cheat it with players who weren't in form or weren't fit and then nearly bit us, but we came away with the win. But we have, we named who? Poilet, Hutchinson, Laren, Cavallini, Boria. Those five players were named. Now, Hoylet didn't have an injury, but didn't end the play. We named four players to the squad who never made contact with the team. And we can't afford to do something like that, especially with cards and whatnot that are coming. Maybe for a smaller window in November, when we only have the two games to play in Edmonton, but we can't cheat it like that. We have to be more mindful of that. With that being said, what does where does that put us? That puts us at a very comfortable spot. As of right now. Yeah, as of right now, what time is it? It's 10.13 on October 13th. It's 10.13, 10.13.21. As of now, earlier today, if you weren't aware, Honduras lost to Jamaica, so that team has a little bit more life. The USA beat Costa Rica, and Canada beat that, with El Salvador playing... Mexico as we speak which leaves the table currently there is nothing that can change the table at this point so right now excuse me Canada sits in third with 10 points with the USA with 11 points and if this draw continues uh, Mexico will be there with 12 with Panama in fourth Costa Rica five Costa Rica and El Salvador currently tied for fifth with six points and Jamaica gained some life with a draw and then now will win over Honduras and leaving Honduras at the bottom of the group it is interesting this next one I think this next one is two games or some teams may have three games I am not certain but with it assuming that it's a two game window it's a six point window so 12 points basically swings this window moving up moving down that's the most a team can go a team can move up by six points and move up because there's only one point right now separating the top three one two three twelve to ten it'll be interesting how it goes but wow i love this team their togetherness i love how they play i love how when adversity hits them they respond by attacking it they can get away with it against teams in the CONCACAF. However, I'd like to see them start off on the right foot and just dominate the team. The hard next window. I believe next window is the... Yeah, next window is the Mexico Costa Rica window. And then that'll end it for the year. Yep, the Mexico Costa Rica window. Costa Rica on the 12th and then Mexico on the 16th both in Canada Edmonton specifically so I think it will be very difficult 
call any competition. I don't think Costa Rica scares them or scares anyone really. But now it comes down to can a team can they repeat their performance against Mexico? They gained a point that no one thought they would get. Now the question is, can they maintain that win and get that win at home and continue their unbeaten streak? Because again, only them and Mexico are undefeated. <sighs> Man, this, what a relief. What a great game to watch. A little stressful. I love the brotherhood of this team, but their chippiness is going to get them into trouble one day. It is. So, I <laughs> love them still. But I love it. Man, this team, if you don't know why people are talking about this team, go watch the highlights or find a rebroadcast of this game and watch it fully. There were moments, I think the first, what, 20 minutes of the second half, Panama really started to possess and try to take the legs out of the game until Davies put his legs back into the game. There is nothing more to say why we love this team. We're excited for it. The USA, they were looking good. I didn't see any of the match. I saw a little bit of it. But yeah, Dest with the equalizer. And then I forget who got the go-ahead. But USA is starting to play a little bit better. But again, coaching is going to be the question with them. Overall, a great performance. Let me know what you think. You can uh, leave a comment to me on Twitter or send me an email at afrizerocans for email at gmail.com or find me on Twitter at afrizerocans. Look it up as Africans. Um, we got the nice shield, green and red. You'll see it. You'll know it. You'll love it. But yeah, this concludes the quick recap of Alfonso Boyle Davies and friends. <laughs> I kid. The Canadian men's national team coming away with a 4-1 win over Panama at a sold-out BMO. Good crowd, good atmosphere. Though I will say, based off of what Twitter was saying, let's be a little bit more organized with that next. Because it looked like the time to get in. It's not now granted, I understand it was also the Leafs opening day. But we got to be able to split and work this a little bit better here. We, I understand that soccer in this country may not be the priority but we got to show it more respect for that when there are 30,000 people who are going to be coming having to show proof of vaccination having to have their tickets and having them siphon through and everyone even tried to get in early and there was still a delay we, we have to be better at that so let's be better there for the sake of our fans Edmonton look at this learn from this let's not see this happen out west with this team but yeah Leave a comment if you can. Send us an email or find us on Twitter. Let us know how you felt about the game. Whew. Feels good. Doesn't it feel draining? It feels exciting. We're sitting at 10 points. Third. If the competition ended today, we would be going to the World Cup. And that'd be pretty damn exciting. But till then, we'll talk a little later. Goodbye for now. <laughs>